Good morning, church family. Uh, it is good to be with you today. I think we have finally managed, after a couple of weeks, to figure out all of our technical difficulties, and we decided to start today with um, a sound check that happened between uh, Kyle and Lorinda and myself on a private channel, and I, I'm hopeful that that means that we are past all of the difficulties of uh, audio in our live stream. Um, I want to go ahead and move into a time of announcements with you today and uh, work through what we can have. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, talk about a couple, couple of announcements that we have. Um, and the first part is that we want to remind you that there are no in-person events that are happening while we are having our shelter in place. Uh, until it's lifted, uh, we just can't be in person together. And so we want to remind you that uh, everything we're doing right now is happening online. Uh, that includes our classes. Uh, we started our Wednesday night classes just this last week. Um, Kyle has been doing a youth group program on, uh, I believe, on Sunday evenings and on Wednesday nights. Uh, and that's a mix of YouTube and Zoom. Um, we also want to let you know that there are a couple of other things that you can keep in mind. Um, we still want to encourage everybody uh, to be sending letters, making phone calls, and making it a point in general to reach out to people who are um, maybe incapable of doing uh, any kind of grocery shopping for themselves, uh, individuals who can't uh, be involved in um, going and picking up their own prescriptions. We have a lot of people who are in need right now um, who are required not just to shelter in place, but to stay isolated and quarantined. And so be reaching out to members of our church community, um, and also not just our church community, but people who are uh, your neighbors. Uh, make it a point to check in with them and see if there are ways that we can bless them and be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community in a time where there are unprecedented needs. Um, I want to remind you, last week I made a challenge to everybody. If you are worshiping from home, uh, one of the difficulties is that we don't get to see each other's faces. And I know uh, for me, this week, being on a Zoom call with our elders and doing our Wednesday night class, it was such an encouragement to see faces of people I haven't seen in, in over a month now uh, there, uh, just visible. And we get to see people's faces you know, on Facebook and such. But one of my hopes is that we can remind each other that we are together even as we're apart. And so last week I challenged you guys uh, to maybe post a picture of you and your family, uh, you and your roommate, maybe just you uh, worshiping at home. And then tag it with this hashtag uh, Newberg CFC, hashtag Newberg CFC, and then hashtag home together, church together. Uh, we had a few people do that last week. I know Kyle and Rebecca have posted with them and their dog Asher. Um, and it's just encouraging to see you guys uh, worshiping together. Um, so I invite you to do that. If you don't, it's okay. But it's a great way for us to be able to be reminded of the community that we're a part of. And even as we're not physically together, we still get to be together at a distance. Um, at the end of service today, as with weeks before, we're going to have multiple songs uh, strung together for you to be able to worship at home. Uh, if you if you want to follow along with those songs, you're welcome to do so. If not, uh, we'd encourage you just, you know, maybe a member of your family or your small group or whoever you're meeting with this morning can lead you in worship. 
Um, maybe you all take turns picking the song you want to sing. Uh, but we believe, of course, that there's never a bad time to worship God, but especially on Sunday morning, we've set a time, uh, set aside time to worship uh, specifically. And so I want to encourage you to do that in whatever way it looks like for you today. Um, with all of that said, uh, Michael Rooney is going to read our scripture for us this morning. Um, so let's hear from Michael. Good morning, church family. We miss you all and pray that you are all doing well. Today's scripture reading is from Philemon, verses 1 through 7. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. May God bless the reading of his word. So I want to I want to thank Michael for uh, our scripture reading this morning. Um, as he said, today we are going to be taking a look at the book of Philemon, um, and we're going to be discussing a topic that I hope is uh, meaningful to us in the moment that we find ourselves in. Um, this idea of shelter. Um, it's a, a concept that is being thrown around in our culture a lot right now. This idea of shelter in place, and that word. Shelter means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, when I think of that word, I think of the, the term sanctuary. Uh, sanctuary and shelter often are interchangeable. And of course, when I think about the word sanctuary, I can't help but think about the movie The Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, and Quasimodo. If you've not seen it, uh, it is one of the darker Disney movies. Uh, it, it gets into some pretty... Uh, scary kind of territory about the core of humanity and, and uh, the evil that can lurk within a human heart. Um, it takes place in this beautiful cathedral, uh, the, uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral. And of course, this was in the news earlier this year as a result of a fire. Um, but what I find interesting about the movie is how, how in-depth they get with the recreation of this cathedral, these beautiful arches. The, the uh, architecture of this cathedral is astounding. Um, they, they did such a great job of capturing its beauty set against the rest of the city, uh, and it's this towering, looming cathedral. You can see uh, here is a picture of the actual cathedral uh, as it exists uh, today, more or less. And so um, when I think about this, when I think about shelter and sanctuary, oftentimes I think our minds, I know my mind, is typically drawn to a structure, a building of some kind. We think of our homes as a shelter. Our homes are a sanctuary. Um, historically, church buildings have been a sanctuary in multiple senses. They've been uh, the place where the body of Christ has come together to meet this building, this cathedral, and they've gone from being the catacombs in the time of the first century Christians, the second century Christians, these caves, to being dedicated structures. 
they, they might be uh, the house of an individual, but eventually they would become these ornate buildings that were built in, in wonderful, beautiful detail. Uh, a lot of these cathedrals in ancient times were, were built around sites that were venerated. They were important sites for uh, historical Christians. Um, and if you go to the Holy Land today, you can visit churches that are built uh, supposedly around the place of the cross, that are built around the tomb of Jesus, that are built around uh, the, the house that Jesus lived in in Capernaum. Um, all these places, these physical locations that are held in high regard because of their association with Jesus. And I suppose that to some extent, you know, these buildings are important historically. But as Christians, we often use the phrase that the church is not the building. The church is the people. And I want to emphasize this morning that I believe that is the truth. I believe that the shelter is not the building, but the shelter is one another. Um, there is this Irish proverb that says it is in the shelter of one another that the people will live, uh, or in the shade of one another. Uh, those words are interchangeable in, in Gaelic, the language of the Irish. And so this morning I want to focus on this idea, and I think that the book of Philemon, it, it expands on this idea of the people of the church being a shelter for one another. Um, I want to go ahead and we're going to read the entire book this morning, uh, minus just the very beginning of verse 1, which is Paul introducing himself. It says, To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apthia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you may have some preconceived notions about the book of Philemon, and those preconceived notions might be justified, but I want to begin by saying the book opens with some really loving terms that are used for Philemon and Apphia and Archippus. Uh, these, these individuals are loved by Paul. He has deep uh, affection for them. And he loves what it is that they do for the body of Christ. He talks about the church in their house. Beloved fellow worker, the church in your house. And so you'll see uh, the church met in homes in the first century. The church met in homes and still does in many places today meet in homes because that was where the people were. Um, we have kind of an artifact nowadays of meeting in buildings because... It, it became convenient for us to own property. It became convenient for us to have a fixed location where everyone could come together in a particular town, a particular city. Um, today, we we don't meet in homes quite as often, but there are church houses or house churches uh, that meet together in an individual's home, or maybe they buy a small home and that home becomes the communal property of the church. That's the situation that we see here in the book of Philemon, that Apphia, Archippus, and, and Philemon own this home, and they share it with the church. That's the community property. Um, and Paul is affectionate for them because of what they do for the church. He moves on, he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. I hear of your love 
and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So these individuals that Paul is writing to, they have faith. And that faith has expressed itself in, in love towards other people. Um, that they have opened their hearts just as they've opened their home. And out of a result of that, Paul expects that they will continue to grow in their faith towards something even more effective than what it was before. May become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ Jesus. And then he says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Paul notes two things here. When we live out our faith correctly, when we live it out in light of Christ, other people derive joy, but also they derive comfort from our faith. Paul derives comfort from the faith of Philemon and Archippus and Apthia. He, he is encouraged in his heart by their love for the church. This is, this is the image of shelter. This is the image that we are supposed to take on to ourselves. And Paul begins the book by telling us that this is a good image of Christianity. It is fulfilling the image of Christ in our world. And also here at the bottom, he says that other saints have been refreshed through them. We're going to look at the rest of the book here in just a moment, but I want you to focus on the, the very beginning here. Paul tells us a number of things about what happens when we as Christians serve as shelter for the rest of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We refresh the saints. We bring comfort to those who hear about our good works. When we open our homes and we open our lives and we, we share love, towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, it is shelter for them. So I want to I begin by telling you, Philemon is not a bad guy. Sometimes we read this book, and because we focus so much on the second half, we forget that Philemon is doing a lot of good things. That Paul has a lot of reason to praise Philemon for the good that he and his family are involved in. And I want to encourage you, you can use these first several verses as a model for how you might want to live, how you might want to open your home to your brothers and sisters in Christ, how you might want to be a comfort and a blessing to those around you. But, as with all of Paul's letters, he has ways in which he thinks Philemon can improve. And so this morning, I want to look at the second half of the book. Uh, what it is that Paul is really writing about. He, he starts by praising Philemon and saying, you've done some good stuff, and I am refreshed and encouraged by what you've done. The saints are refreshed and encouraged by what you've done. But there's room to grow. Just as he said, I, I want you to uh, grow in your knowledge that you might have the full knowledge of Christ. And this is where, where Paul moves forward. He says this, Accordingly, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, 
I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become in my imprisonment. And so we have this additional character that is introduced, this, this not just a character, a real-life human being who was a part of the life of Paul, a part of the life of the early church, named Onesimus. And Paul says, I'm writing to you on his behalf. My child, Onesimus. You see, Onesimus is, is a, a unique character. Um, it's important for us to know a couple of things about him. The first is that he was, he was a part of the house of Philemon prior to him and Paul being off in Rome together, which is likely where Paul wrote this letter from Rome. Paul says this about Onesimus. Formerly, he was useless to you. But now he is indeed useful to you and to me. And so we see that there was a a situation where Onesimus had been staying in the house of Philemon. And you may not know why yet. You will in just a moment. He was staying in the house of Philemon. And in that household, he was useless. Which is ironic because his name literally means useful. And yet, for whatever reason, he was useless. He, He wasn't fulfilling a purpose. Maybe the reason, the specific reason he was there for... He was, he was no good. He did nobody any good. But now Paul says he has become, indeed, useful to you and to me. And then Paul begins talking about the former relationship. He says, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf. During my imprisonment for the gospel. For I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Remember at the beginning that Paul talks about the love that Philemon has for the church. And how that's been an encouragement and a blessing. And now Paul is appealing again to this idea of love. I love Onesimus, he is my very heart. I, I have tender affection for him. He's called him his child. Paul feels deep affection, not just for Philemon, as he's already said, but also for Onesimus. In some ways, it's like Paul is saying, these two individuals, they are both dear to me. And my hope is to have them back together again. But the worry for us in reading this is that we, we kind of know some of the backstory here. In fact, this is what Paul says, For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bond servant. This is the part that sometimes rubs us the wrong way. You see, it turns out that Onesimus wasn't just a member of the household. He was, in some ways, property of the household. He was owned, a bond servant, someone who, out of a particular uh, cost, had become uh, an employee of the house, but not someone who was receiving a wage, someone who was indentured to this household. We might use the word slave. And Paul is saying, 
I'm sending him back to you that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, no longer as a slave, but more than a bondservant. As a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. A beloved brother. See, the the point of the church in many ways is that a lot of the things that divide us should be no issue within the church. Paul uses this terminology elsewhere. He says that in Christ there is no slave nor free, no Jew nor Gentile, no male nor female. There's only Christians. And Paul is saying, Onesimus has left you. And we don't know the particulars of how he ended up leaving. Maybe he left on really bad terms. There's a lot of speculation that he was most likely not just a a slave who left. He was a slave who ran away. Maybe out of fear because he had not served his role adequately. Or maybe just because he didn't want to be a slave. Whatever the reason he left, he left. And he, he had violated... A Roman law. Slaves weren't supposed to leave their masters. It was it was a punishable offense. And through some course of events, he ends up with Paul in Rome. And Paul says, you've become a Christian now. I'm going to send you back to Philemon. And I'd imagine in, in Onesimus' head, he's thinking, how in the world could this possibly work out? I've done something wrong to Philemon. I have broken the law to leave him. And Paul says, I'd imagine, to Onesimus, things are different now. Before, you were his slave. Now, you are his brother. And Onesimus is thinking, yeah, but he doesn't know that. I I don't know how I could possibly return to this household. How can I find safety in a home where I have broken the law against the head of the household? What could I possibly do to find Shelter there. And so when Paul writes to Philemon, he has all of this in mind. The fear that Onesimus is experiencing, the anger, perhaps, that Philemon feels towards this man who's run away from him, who's been useless in the past. The legal system of the Roman Empire that would allow Philemon to exact a toll on Onesimus. He says, I'm sending him back to you, and I don't I don't want you to receive him as a slave. I want you to receive him as a beloved brother. And this is Paul's appeal. He says, So if you consider me your partner, Receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Receive him 
as you would receive me. I think that this is, this is a key to understanding this entire book. Paul is saying, whatever your relationship before, it doesn't exist now. It's changed. It's altered. You should treat him exactly as you would treat me. Receive him as you would receive me. In Christ, I, Paul, the apostle who founded your church, the one that came there and made it a point to to minister to you, the missionary who taught you the way of life, the one who spoke the truth of Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected from the dead, enthroned on high, Onesimus, the one who was useless to you, receive him as you would receive me. And if you do, you will refresh my heart in Christ. In the same way that you have refreshed the saints who meet in your home, you will provide my heart sanctuary, shelter, by sheltering Onesimus. And sometimes we have to be shelter from, from ourselves. See, we, we grow up in a world that has very specific ideas about how past relationships and wrongs that have been set against us are righted. And Paul says in Christ, that mentality has to die away. Your home must become a sanctuary for the people of Christ. And your heart, the space that you occupy, must become shelter for those that maybe you have the legal right to exact revenge on. I want to encourage you this morning. I I know that we are in a position now where it is very difficult for us to meet together physically. We can't be together in groups of more than 10 right now. And even when we're in groups of 10, we're supposed to make sure that we are keeping a six feet distance from one another unless we live in the same home and all the air that we're breathing all the time is one another's air. But this is a temporary state. And there is going to come a time where we are able to be together again. And there are going to be people that for one reason or another, you have found yourself uh, torn apart from. A relationship that has been broken. And God's desire for you as a Christian is to mend that relationship. To work towards being a safe place for other people. That may be inviting them into your home. It, it may be holding uh, a time of meal together, you know, inviting them over for dinner or lunch or sharing a table with them in a, a literal sense, being a place where they can talk about the problems that they're experiencing in life. But more than that, it is inviting them into the shelter of your own life, the stability that you have found in your relationship with Christ, the change that you have undergone as a result of the shelter of the Spirit dwelling within you. We are transformed people. And if we have been transformed, we must also recognize that our relationships with other people have been transformed. The book of Philemon is a historical book 
about two individuals, Philemon and Onesimus. And these two individuals have had a strained relationship, and as a result of that strained relationship, a third party has to become involved. And that third party bridges the gap. He's provided shelter for Onesimus, and he acknowledges the wrong that's been done, but he asks on his own behalf that the relationship be mended. It's a historical book written between real people, a letter written between real people who really existed, who had real relationships that were fractured, real relationships that were ultimately mended. But it is also a book about you and about God and about Jesus. See, there was a point in your life where you were useless to God. You had chosen to be useless to him through your actions. You had chosen to distance yourself from him. Maybe you ran away as far as you could in the other direction. And God had every right to enact what is legally mandated on you. We're told that the wages of sin are death. And yet Christ, God incarnate, steps in and mends the relationship between you and God and asks the Father, receive them as your son. Bring them into your home. Provide them sanctuary. Paul can write this letter to Philemon because it's his story. Because it is the story that is told in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in his life. This is the story that we believe. It is the story we have fixed our hearts on. The story that we have hung our entire existence on as Christians. And so, as we move forward in our world, as we are able to come back together in some way, shape, or form, even as we're apart, it is our job to live out this, this what Paul calls the ministry of reconciliation, mending bridges, bringing broken relationships back together, fixing what is broken in this world, specifically between people, between people and people and people and God. I want to encourage our congregation and anyone else that's watching this morning to be a bridge builder, to receive warmly those that maybe you have no reason to be warm toward. And when you do, you will refresh the hearts of the saints, you will refresh your own heart, and you perhaps might find that someone who was formerly useless to you has become useful. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we acknowledge that in our state of sin before coming to your Son, we were useless. In fact, the work of our hands were, were not just useless, they were destructive. They, they hurt ourselves, they hurt the people around us, they hurt everyone that we came into contact with. Because we were sinful and selfish we wanted what was best for ourselves and not necessarily what was best for everyone else. And so, Father, this morning I pray 
uh, a prayer that we can we can recognize that we have become useful not because of any power of our own but because we have been transformed by the image of your son that we take on to ourselves when we are baptized into his name and father i pray that you help us to be useful tools in your hands that are able to transform other lives by bringing them into relationship with you god that we can be a safe place People don't have any fear of coming to us and being involved in our lives, that we can open our homes to those who are hurting or afflicted, to those that have wronged us in the past, and and of course, Father, to those that we have loved for many years. I pray, God, that you help us to be your people as a shelter in, in a world that is filled with storms and chaos. We thank you that you have refreshed our hearts. And we pray, God, that you bless uh, each of us this week as we we attempt to be your people in a world that is uh, so unlike the one that you desire for us to occupy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up our, our lesson time with just this this closing remark from Paul. He says, Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Paul knows, Philemon, you're going you're gonna to keep up your end of the bargain, and I'm going to come to you, and I will be a guest in your home. And in the same way that I have already told you, receive uh, receive Onesimus the same way that you would receive me, I've already told you what I expect. Prepare a guest room for him. Prepare a guest room for him that he might be received graciously by you. If I'm going to be received graciously, I want Philemon to be received graciously. And so this morning, we wrap this up, and I remind you again of that Irish proverb. Uh, it is... It is in the shelter of one another that the people will live. We are to be a shelter for one another. We are supposed to be a safe place in times of storm, in times of trial, in times of fear, in times of doubt, and in the good times. We are called to be a shelter for one another. And that looks different right now than it probably will in six weeks. And it looks different right now than it did six weeks ago. But if we're prayerful and we consider the work of the Spirit in our hearts, I'm positive that we can all find ways to be shelter for one another and for our community in this time. Um, We're going to go ahead and uh, move into our time of communion here. Uh, Tyler Matlock has prepared our communion thought this morning, um, and I invite you to participate as we go into that time now. Good morning, church family. I'm very pleased to be bringing this morning's communion thought. And I've been thinking a lot about being isolated or being separated uh, from one another during this past week. You know, my students and I, we returned to the classroom uh, this week to begin teaching them uh, about math and English and uh, social studies and science and even physical education. I'm even doing a series on how to change a tire, which brings me to the thought of 
how do we stay in touch? How do we help each other through this very hard time? And the one thing that remains to be true throughout all this is that Christ loved us and he was willing to die for us when we were yet sinners. God provided a perfect sacrifice in his son for us. And what really binds us together is this time of communion. What really brings us closer is sharing in this bread and the cup. And I hope that you think about that as we go throughout uh, this communion time. But even though we're apart physically, spiritually and emotionally, we are so connected in everything we do as long as it's for Christ. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for this bread. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son. We thank you so much that we are able to be together in this one moment, Father. Help us all to love you and love each other more. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. have a prayer for the cup. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the healing streams of mercy that were set upon us by that blood. And Father, I ask that you bless each one of us that are partaking. Help us to do so in a worthy manner. Help us to always be mindful of your son's sacrifice and what it did for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Hope you have a blessed day. Love you, church. So thank Tyler for that this morning. Thank you, Michael, for uh, doing our scripture reading. Um, thank you, Kyle, for picking out the songs that we're about to, to share. Um, I want to remind you all of a couple of things uh, that you may or may not know. Um, the first is this. Uh, we do have uh, a way for you to give online if you would like to do that. Um, we have a number of people that have been uh, giving uh, online already. Um, you can find the link in, uh, in the description, I believe, on YouTube, also on the church website. Um, there's also the opportunity to do bill pay uh, through your bank. You can have uh, the bank send a check directly to the church, or you can drop it off at the church. You can either mail it or slide it through. Uh, the little drop box that goes into my office, which is locked. Uh, no one can get to it uh, other than uh, church staff. Um, we want to let you know there are things that are being done with that money right now that we've had benevolence requests that we've been taking care of. Uh, and we want to remind you, if you can't give and you are in need, reach out to the church. Uh, there are ways that we can help support you uh, at this time. We're being very thoughtful about it. We had a meeting between the ministers and elders uh, earlier this week, and we want to make sure that if you have needs, that we are helping to meet those needs. We, as your church family, want to be blessing and encouraging you. We want to be a shelter to you in a difficult time financially. Um, and so uh, we're mindful of that. And of course, we have to consider needs on a, an as-is basis, um, but we also want to make sure that nobody is going without 
when we can provide for the needs that people have. Um, and so uh, if you're visiting with us online, if you are uh, part of a church family somewhere else, we want to encourage you to continue to give to your local congregation. Um, if you are a part of our congregation here, we want to encourage you to continue to give as you are able. Um, but if you are experiencing need and you can't give, help us to give to you. Uh, reach out to us, send an email to the church, contact one of our elders, uh, and we will do our best to make sure that you are not going without as, uh, as financial situations are constantly changing. Um, we're going to enter into our time of worship now. Uh, and if you want to log off and, uh, and do your own thing at home, you're welcome to do that. Otherwise, I'd encourage you to stick around for the, the songs from Praise and Harmony uh, that are coming up here in just a moment. Um, and then I'll be back to sign us off at the very end. So this morning, uh, I want to just remind us one more time, let's be a shelter in a world that is afraid. Let's be a shelter in a world that is um, sometimes not a shelter to itself, not a shelter to one another. I know that this week I've been blessed with a number of members of our congregation being a shelter to me. Uh, I, I can tell you right now, Danielle and David Crump uh, have been a shelter to my family in the last week. Um, Evelyn Peterson and I have had uh, a phone conversation this week that helped to serve as a shelter for me. It blessed and encouraged my heart. Um, I, I know that a number of you have experienced shelter uh, from others in this time. And I pray even as we are apart and can't be in a single building together, that we continue to be a shelter to one another that we live in the shelter of one another, that we, we are watching out for one another, encouraging one another, blessing one another, and constantly communicating with one another. I pray for you and for the rest of our, our community that we might know the shelter of Christ and the blessing that we have, the assurance that we have that as bad as things may ever get in this world, that Christ has redeemed us and written a new story for us that includes an eternity of safety, an eternity of security in him. I love you all, and uh, I, I look forward to the time that we can all be together. But in the meantime, I feel so blessed to know that we are worshiping at the same time and that we are fixed on the same Savior and on the same message. And that is a shelter to my heart, a blessing, a refreshment, and encouragement. You are a shelter to me. I love you. And uh, I pray that you have a fantastic week.